afternoon, good evening, and thank you for tuning into this episode of Atlantic Business Spotlight. On behalf of KCSutherland.com, this is your hostess, Kathleen Sutherland. I am a business coach, a marketing educator, a certified emotional fitness coach, and I couldn't be happier to be here today with Warren Redman slash Sev Bagel in beautiful Shediac, New Brunswick. Now, Warren Redman is the creator of Emotional Fitness, and he is also the author of over 17 nonfiction books with a few fiction books in the mix and more coming. Warren Redman, thank you so much for speaking with me today. Well, thanks for being here, and it is a great view. I just craned my neck of Shediac Bay, so <laughs> it's a beautiful setting to be in. It's yeah. there yeah. for sure. Warren, uh, I might just let you introduce yourself because I know you've done so many things, such a long list of accomplishments. How would you, at this point in your life and careers, what's your elevator pitch? How would you sum oh up where my, you've been? Oh my, that old elevator pitch thing. <laughs> well, um, it, it's interesting because uh, I, I have been in this transition phase uh, for, I suppose, two or three years now from the work I did for 35 years or so in that whole area of what I've called emotional fitness. So you described it as counseling and life coaching. And uh, in, in a way, it's, it's an approach that helps people really to listen to themselves at a deep level and, and therefore to be able to free themselves to listen to others at an equally deep level. That's been my work. And it's as, as simple and I suppose, I guess you could say, as kind of as challenging and as complicated as that. But if I boil it down, that, for me, feels a, a, an achievement when I hear people tell me, sometimes after 30 years, they get in touch and say, wow, you know, my life moved on and changed when I really began to hear myself for the first time. Uh, so it might not sound world-changing, but for me and my sphere of the world, it, it has been, I think, yeah. Yeah, and I didn't call it emotional fitness. I didn't have a name for the whatever it was I was doing, but it was an amalgamation of things I'd learned, put together, developed if they didn't exist, and had experienced. And the things that really worked for me and were simple, because I think simply, uh, I put together and discarded like 90% of the rest. And, and uh, so, yeah, 30, 35 years, I, I suppose, was the root of what became emotional fitness and the, the, the tools and processes that, that help people really hear themselves and others. Yeah. And throughout that uh, spectrum of time, we've seen the publication of at least 17 nonfiction books yeah. uh, on the subject or relating to the subject of personal development, training and group facilitation, this type of thing. Yeah, that, that, that's right. And uh, I guess I, I would, I'm just thinking about this now, the, the writing of those books, I, I think, mirrors my own um, growth and development and understanding. So each book I wrote was a result of me thinking, or sometimes being egged on by others, wow, there's something here that's been going on for the last year or two. I better write this down. It's not going away. That's right. In fact, it needs to go forward. And I, in a way, learn. I, I embed my own learning through writing. Uh, so a book has been uh, just initially my own personal growth and development. And then secondarily, for other people to read. 
And not only read, but then, uh, you know, seek further education, certification, and, and then we see, we're seeing emotional fitness coaches now in this area, spreading the work that's been going on, uh, begun in Calgary, going back mm -hmm. to the 80s. Yeah, well, really began in, in England, mostly in the London area and the Midlands in, in England, and I brought it to Calgary at the end of 1993, started that in 1905 or so, which is when uh, it really became this thing called emotional fitness. I put it together there then, and then imported it to this wonderful part of the world, New Brunswick, yeah. So Warren, you've, you've mostly stepped back from emotional fitness and the thrust of what's going now, but serving as a mentor for those who are carrying the flame. But I'm curious, what is sort of your vision? What is your hope for the continuation of this work? And do you have any dreams in terms of what you would like to see come from it? Well, it's the same dream I always had, uh, which is that everybody is able to really listen to each other. In other words, it's world peace. Is that big enough for us? <laughs> well, what does that mean? What does it mean to really listen to another person? Uh, what it means is, number one, not get in the way of that other person's own inner process of self-understanding. Uh, so much of what we try and do, when even with the best intentions of wanting support and help others, is to give them the advice of what we think they should be doing, how they should be feeling. Uh, say that we understand the other person when we can never be inside the other person's soul and, and mind and thoughts. So it being able to draw out what there is within us that we know but don't know that we know quite often. And sometimes it's not enough to just uh, relate a similar experience we've had. Or like, oh, you've broken your leg. I've broken my leg twice. It, it sucks. And then, you know, take the ball away. And Absolutely takes it away from that person's own experience. We have to live through our own. It's our own lives. The only person we're really with all the, through our life is ourselves. And, and what does that look like when we think of listening to ourselves? Uh, listening to ourselves. You know, normally if someone asks me that question, I'll give it straight back to them. Okay. So that's what it really looks like. And we don't need to go into that whole process <laughs> now. <laughs> I am a certified emotional fitness coach. You understand I that, I think, Kathleen. Yeah, right. But these are the kinds of questions, you know. We, It's interesting as an emotional fitness coach when you say, hey, this is what I do, what I offer. And then the first question is, what is it? And, yeah. and how would you, how would you, what's important about that process of giving the question back as the answer? Because their question is almost always something that they have the answer for within themselves. And my gift to them is to help them see that, even if it's hard, even if it's a struggle. I was talking to someone just this morning about the, the two distinct, though related, processes for for personal the personal development movement that we can talk about from the like way back when the 1960s and so on and those two approaches were uh, advice giving from the gurus uh, which took up about 80 85 maybe 90 percent of the personal growth world and those who would draw out from others, which is a much harder, much more challenging, therefore less popular approach, which I 
100% subscribe to. Uh, it's harder, uh, but it's the only thing that works. It's the thing that produces the results. Yeah. Yeah. And, and isn't that the kind of the premise of emotional fitness, that we all have the answers we are seeking? It's absolutely. The, the, the wisdom lies within the person. So mm -hmm. now if you're looking at moving forward as an author and writing fiction and crafting stories, how has your work all these years talking to people and listening to mm -hmm. their stories, how has it lent itself to your writing process and, and crafting Fictional stories. Oh, well, two things come to me for that. One, my own personal um, epiphany that what I really wanted now in my this stage of life, this next phase, is to write fiction. Um, and that is a result of really listening to myself when I was writing another book, Recipes for Inner Peace, which is uh, not quite the last book I wrote on emotional fitness, but, but the one before last, I guess. And what I enjoyed in writing that book were the stories I told about the individual going through the process of emotional fitness. I really enjoyed her as a character coming through and so on. And, and I decided then, well, I listened to myself and it took a little while, because I'm a slow learner, I guess. Well, what did that look like, listening to yourself? Listening to myself was uh, really getting for myself that, well, I, two things, enjoy the process of getting into a, a character that I have created. And secondly, do you know, I think I'm pretty good at it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's good to play to our strengths. Yes. Yeah. And, and so, well, first of all, why not just have a go at writing more fiction? Because I dabbled a bit. And secondly, why not arrive at this stage in my life where that's who I identify as a fiction writer, a storyteller. Let me just tell stories. And, and when I began to hear that within myself, I, I recognized, you know, inside me for many years and I can't say how long or where it would have been there is this storyteller who's always been there wanting to get out and probably partly suppressed but just partly there wasn't I didn't give myself time for that when I was doing all this other stuff so now I'm letting that part of me really my child come out Catherine so it's fun for you yes it is fun it is fun above all else even when I'm writing about difficult subjects, it's fun um, drawing out, discovering this character, or these characters I'm writing about. Yeah. That, that's interesting. You mentioned the idea of creating a character. And what's that like? Because I'm thinking about the unfolding of a, of a fictional story. And does it feel like at a certain point the character is already created and you're discovering it? Or is it always a sense of what's he going to do next and it, you're trying to pull it out? Right. I'm not thinking about what the character is going to do right. next. Yeah. The character is, is doing it. And I'm going, whoa, okay. So I'm learning about them as they're developing. Um, but you, the question you asked before, I asked it, I guess part of it, the other part, um, is that I, that my experience 
of emotional fitness and understanding much more about myself every time I'm working with another individual or with a group of people, um, I think I, those characters are made up of real, real minds and souls and hearts, you know, bits of people, bits of myself that I have probably a much deeper understanding of now having done that work. Uh, so I don't think, I, I, I would not have been as good a fiction writer if I'd have started off being a fiction writer. Right. I'd have had the technical skills at my disposal, but not that, that deeper understanding of how does an individual respond to this situation. It sounds like kind of a multi-dimensional experience. Mm -mm, it is, yeah. I think that's probably what's making it fun for me. And I hope the writing comes through. So people certainly have told me that they, they've really experienced the, the characters in the stories, yeah. So you mentioned uh, writing about difficult topics. What sort of uh, narratives have you tackled so far? Uh, well... Um, the two most difficult ones have uh, been one, a book, well, neither of which have yet been published. They're both, uh, uh, one is at the publisher, waiting for it to come out the other end, and the other I've just recently finished and sent off. One is called The Last Jew in Chania. Chania is a place in Crete in, in, in Greece, and the whole of the fairly small Jewish population uh, were lost on board. Uh, a, a ship that the, the um, Nazis had loaded them onto on the way to concentration camp. Um, and, and one of them was saved. One of them hid, in fact. Uh, so that's a difficult topic. So I, it, it's a historical fiction. I wrote about this, this character, but not knowing really anything about her, very little, or the other characters. Uh, and so developed that story. Based on the sort of historical Based timeline. on a historical fact. Yeah, on that, that one fact. Um, so that was, that's a kind of difficult topic to, to handle. And the other one that I've recently done, based on a, a, a true story again, that a, a, an Iranian friend of mine told me, uh, is about a man who's in solitary confinement in a jail in Iran. That was a difficult topic. I spent a year of my writing life, as it were, inside a, a jail in solitary confinement. That was, it was tough going. So how did you research and prepare and put yourself in that mindset? Uh, well, first of all, by hearing my friend's story. Uh, and secondly, yeah, the internet is quite amazing. You it can is. Get, yeah. <laughs> I, I have photographs of, of the jail and uh, stories of other people. and I read a lot. Um, but I really wanted to get, more importantly, into the psychological space of someone who's in solitary confinement. So... Most of my research, I guess, was just putting myself as much as possible in that space while I'm writing. So here I am in this very nice little office with a view of Shediac Bay, but pictured myself in 
in a, a four walls without any light and with very little food coming and with no other person around apart from my jailer every now and again. Uh, so I, I experienced a lot of that. I, I could never, of course, experience it fully, but as much as I could, I wanted to find out how a person could manage that. And, and what did you discover from uh, that experience? What did it teach you about... Did you get an insight in how you personally might respond if you were in such a harsh environment? Without, thank goodness, going through that experience in the same way, uh, I, I did what I could internally to, to have a feel of that. Now, I, we never know, I don't know, how I would respond, you know, what my reaction would be to be put into such a circumstance. But partly having written the book, I think I have a greater sense of how I deal with it. Yeah. This seems to be reminiscent of a, sort of a broader theme of what I know in your life, because wasn't your first teacher, uh, Eugene Heimler, sort of a survivor of such a harsh and constrictive environments in the Second World War? Indeed he was, and even harsher in uh, concentration camps, including uh, Auschwitz. Uh, and um, so I spent a lot of time with Heimler, uh, nine years altogether. So I had a pretty close and personal insight into his experiences in those camps and how he did survive. And that was his question for himself for many years after he came out. How did I survive and why, of course? And uh, he spent much of his or the first 10 years after that experience, trying to come to terms with that and wrote about it and, uh, and developed his approach on which I base mine. Yeah. It's interesting. I'm wondering what it's like for you now if you kind of look back on yourself as a younger man and having those nine years spent with such mm. a powerful character yeah. at that early stage of your career, not yet knowing all the, the, the things that were... Yeah going to be created and, and the work and the, the lives that would be touched from those seeds that would be planted. Mm. What, what do you think you would uh, say to yourself if you had the chance to sort of jump in that time capsule and give yourself a tap on the shoulder? These are good questions, Kathleen. I'm just coming up with this on the spot. Yeah, I, mean, <laughs> <laughs> I would say to myself with hindsight now, you, you have a sense you're on a journey and things are changing. You have no idea. But let me tell you, it's going to be worth every moment, every bit of challenge and pain and difficulty and, and joy is going to be worth everything to get you to the place that you're going to be in. And I know what that is because I'm here now. Yeah. <laughs> The words of the sage who knows that everything's going to be okay. Yes, yes, yes. So that's something we don't always um, think about when, when we are, you know, I can imagine, because I'm more like in the challenge phase at this phase yeah. of my life, but having achieved all that you've achieved, can you speak a little bit about what some of the bigger challenges or roadblocks have been either earlier in your career or later in this transitional phase as you're sort of redefining your identity? Ah. Uh. 
challenges in the past have mostly been about uh, coming to terms with the fact that I was not in the right place, either relationship or work-wise or indeed geographically-wise, uh, and making those changes. They were the hardest things for me. Um, knowing that if I remained in that relationship, in that place, in that area of work, I was not going to at all feel fulfilled. Uh, now, at this point, uh, it is the present. And there's absolutely nothing that I want to change except do more of whatever it is that I'm doing. So I know I'm in, for me, the, the ideal relationship. I know for me I'm in the ideal world of endeavour. My life task is, is here now. Uh, I know I'm in the perfect place where I'm living. Um, and that's today. Ask me tomorrow. <laughs> right, it is, there are dynamic forces at play, yes. of course. <laughs> So what's next for you? Are you working on any writing currently? Um, having, having, having finished uh, a novel a few months ago, uh, I have got a number of ideas floating around, but don't have the one. The novel that I'm about to write has not arrived yet in my consciousness. So I've been, I've been continuing to write short stories and poems uh, continue involving, involving myself with the writing community uh, so keeping up writing um, and um, working on uh, getting my latest novel to a publisher or an agent who will take it further forward for me so that's an interesting task and of course my, my persona my, my pen name for fiction is different from my other name, my birth name of Warren Redman. So uh, that is Zev Bagel, which is also my, a real name for me. Zev, my given Hebrew name, which I've had since birth. Bagel, my mother's maiden name. So as I tell people, if my mother had been my father, I would be Zev Bagel. <laughs> What does it mean to you to use that uh, pen name? What does it represent for you? A, a what I might call what feels like my real inner identity. I feel a real uh, connection, affinity to my family. Uh, my mother, who died when I was barely nine. Uh, and her family, my grandmother, and her father, my great-grandfather. So he was my original guru, if you like, my, the first male in my life I really connected with. Uh, and you, and, and you and speak about that in one of your books. Yes, I do. Bender's at, Box? At least, yes, I did. I, oh, you read that, eh? Or some of it. I've read some of read it. read some of it, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I've written about that, and that's been hugely meaningful for me. And Eugene Heimler, who we talked about before, was kind of the third male figure in my life. 
that that uh, I identified with until finally I realized, well, it has to be me. It has to be my own inner guru who can combine those three men, important men in my life, and, and say, no, this is me. Warren Redman, who has become, in a sense, Zev Bagel in that other world. So I really celebrate those two sides of me. I have a business card that has both names with the one picture on. And uh, I think that's a lot of fun, that, that different persona, yeah. It kind of gives, when we play with our identity that way, it really gives us some freedom to explore and express uh, different parts of ourselves that might not be uh, so accessible when put in a box or in a role that's uh, you know has certain other restrictions uh, or conditions. Absolutely. I, you're, you're exactly right with that one. I am much freer <laughs> to write you know, the creative stuff as Zev Bagel. Uh, Warren Redman and I will write the kind of more serious stuff of the non-fiction of the non-fiction yes uh, and that, that seems to work well for me for both of me actually <laughs> that's so fun and, and I can see and feel as I'm being as I'm sitting here that you know it really is a unified um, cooperative yeah. yes, identity yes that's right it is a cooperative it's a team so yeah I, can, I get into Warren Redmond mode more when I'm looking for agents and stuff like that but I'm still the He's Zev taking Bagel care of the writer. administration yeah, and right. marketing. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Uh, Warren Redman has recently ended the term uh, as the president of the Writers, uh, New Brunswick Writers Federation. And I heard you speak about the uh, staying active in the writers community here. Can you speak a little bit about what is the writers community here and, and how uh, writers are gathering together? What are they doing? Well, I'm actually a member of two writers group here. One I joined that has been going on for 16, 17 years now, the, the um, Breach House Gang, which meets in Grand Barachois, and there's been a writers group for all that time. Um, and uh, so a group of writers and artists, well, they're all writers, but some of them are artists as well. We've worked on, uh, now our fourth anthology has just come out with looking at our fifth one and we've hit the road and we've done all kinds of things together and that's that's a good stimulating group of very experienced people the other one uh, is a Shediac group uh, that I helped to put together from a, a class I'd done and and there's about a dozen of us so we call ourselves the ice dash dozen ice dash being an anagram of Shediac Okay. And we meet monthly. We meet tonight, as a matter of fact. And we're looking at putting together our first anthology. So, yeah, the Ice Dash Dozen is, as you guessed, uh, about a dozen people. Right. Um, writers mostly in the beginning stages of writers, although all ages. Poets to novelists and um, short story writers. And we have fun and... We read to each other, and uh, we've read in public several times. Uh, so it's a very stimulating thing, because writing is, of course, a very solitary occupation. Yes. So it's good to get up and connect with others. And solitary and introspective. Yes, very much. Very so much. are these groups uh, available for you know new members and other budding writers? And Certainly writers? in, in Shadiac, absolutely. We, we welcome new writers to come and contact us. And of course, through the Writers Federation, any New Brunswick writer or wannabe writer uh, can join that organisation and connect with other writers around the, uh, the province. Uh, we have at least twice a year, we have 
uh, gatherings and there are smaller things that go on uh, in, in different parts of the province, yeah. From, from where you're sitting in the positions that you've held, what would you say to, let's use it as an endearing term, the wannabe writer, because I'm sure <laughs> there's some of us out there, what, how, how, what's the advice to, you know, get out there, should we be, are people open to sharing, mentoring, you know, where can we look for guidance and advice and how do we go about taking those steps into transitioning from being the wannabe writer into the published author or poet mm. and... yeah. Well, you know, first of all, I, I seldom meet people uh, who, after a bit of conversation, haven't said, do you know, I've been thinking about writing a book right. somewhere along the road. We all have a book in us, right? At least one. Um, and some of us have many more than that. Actually, translating that into the written word is another matter. So, yeah, we do need help and support. And writers' groups are for that. The Writers' Federation is for that. We don't have to have written 16 novels uh, to be a member of a writer's organisation. We could be that wannabe writer that's thinking about something. You know, they have stuff in the drawer that's been there for years that I haven't got out, or the journal I've been writing for years that I haven't never shown anyone, but I think there's a memoir in there. Right. So talking about it with someone else, but in the end, the most important thing... You know, the best advice I ever had from an editor, a friend of mine back in London many years ago was, just write. Just write it. And I said, look, I've been stuck on this book. Keep writing, she said. Uh, so that's what we have to do in the end. So it sounds like there is quite a vibrant community out there for writers and uh, lots of support available if uh, anyone is looking for it and wondering how to take the next steps. There is, yeah. Just just Google Writers Federation or uh, or me, my name, Zev Bagel. <laughs> You'll find something, yeah. <laughs> well, Warren, this has been a really wonderful visit here in uh, the coast of Shediac, looking out on the water, sort of, if we stand up. Uh, any final thoughts? There always are, but, you know, I couldn't tell you what they are right now, except I'm just keeping doing what I'm doing, loving every moment of it. Well, not every moment, except in retrospect. Yes. <laughs> so at the moment, it could be, uh, I could be going through difficult times not knowing what to write or how to write it or whatever, but then knowing that, that's also an important part of the process. Uh, so uh, for myself, my best advice to me is just, just keep doing, keep being what's going on in the present. I offer that to anyone else as well. And that uh, ties in nicely, of course, with the work that uh, the emotional fitness coaches are doing in this area. So one of the benefits of having a coach, a mentor, a guide along the way is to be able to be in the thick of those challenges and have someone who's able to sit there, listen, truly hear, be there, and uh, kind of hold that energy of being on the other side, the wise sage that it's going to be okay, this too shall pass. And you're really good at that too, Kathleen, yeah. Well, thank you, Warren, and uh, this has been great. Um, on behalf of KCSutherland.com, my name is Kathleen, and again, Warren Redmond slash Sev Bagel. We will be seeing you again very soon. Thank you.
this has been another episode of Atlantic Business Spotlight. I want to thank you for tuning in and thank you Warren slash Zev for sitting down and having such a great conversation with me. Now again, I'm a marketing educator, a business coach, and a certified emotional fitness coach. If at any point when you were listening to this conversation, you thought, hmm, that sounds pretty good. Maybe I could do some of that. Please feel free to contact me. My email address is info at kcsutherland.com. And I'd be happy to speak with you about emotional fitness, about business, about marketing, or about telling your amazing story on this podcast. We will speak to you again soon.